0: So let's go to the book of Hebrews tonight. We're in a a series for the whole month, and there's no way that we can completely exhaust this, but I think if we preach from now on or teach from now on to be able to, to fully exhaust who Jesus really is, and why are we doing this? Why are we doing? Because I believe our value has come, our mission has come, that we walk in the fullness of Jesus Christ. That we come to the life that that is in the fullness of Him. And the only way we're gonna know that, we're gonna have to know who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. So tonight I'm gonna speak to you a little bit different, maybe, maybe in an area of Jesus you haven't thought about, you probably have, but maybe not to the fullness of how. We're going to bring it tonight. So we're going to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, starting at verse 14. Inasmuch then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham therefore in all things he had made him he he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people for in For in that, he himself has suffered being tempted. He is able to aid those who are tempted. I want to talk to you tonight on this idea. Jesus, the God-man. Jesus, the God-man. I believe it is so important that we understand that Jesus was fully God and yet fully man. But why would God give up the privileges or the de- his deity, in a sense, to become man? I believe I'm going to give you some reasons tonight that I believe it's important for us to know this through the passages of what I just brought to you. First of all, notice what he said here. He came to be made like his brethren, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death that is the devil. He had to come. I want you to pay attention to this. He had to come as a man to die in order that he could be raised up as a man to live conquering death and totally defeat sin. You and I would never have eternal life had Jesus not come and died as a man and rose again as a man. I got news for you. When he come out of that grave, he was still a man. He went in a man, but he came out different. He was still in flesh. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. It says this, for this purpose was the son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. I believe the word manifest there. I didn't take the time to really look it up or find, bring you a great definition, but I believe he was talking about the idea that he became man so that he could destroy the works of the evil one. Jesus became a man. Jesus became flesh. It was the Bible said he was just like us. He was made in our fashion. He was made after our, he became after our likeness, just like you and I, with emotion, with feeling, with this thing, flesh and blood, with pain, with everything that you and I have, he had while he walked upon this earth for a span of 33 years. That's important to know that. I'm gonna give you a lot of reasons tonight why you need to know that. But he came, notice he said, my whole purpose of doing that was to come and destroy the spirit of death or the devil that was holding death who had us in the grips of it our whole life. That's why the scripture says in the book of Hebrews, I think it's around chapter nine somewhere that says this. You ever thought about this? It is appointed unto man once to die. The appointment for death wasn't for each of us. You and I were never intended to die. We were intended to live forever. That's why God speaks to Adam when he creates him. And he tells him, he said, I give you all of this, but don't touch that. Because the moment you do, you're going to die. But it wasn't appointed for you to die. That's the result of sin. That's the result of what the enemy will do to you. So there was only one appointment. Remember, we read the Bible. We read the Bible from stories, and sometimes we need to look the Bible as a whole. And the Bible said that Jesus died before the foundation of the earth was ever laid. So if he, was, if he died before the foundation of the earth was ever laid and God had set that in motion, then God had already knew in his foreknowledge and the wisdom that he is and the knowledge that he is that man was going to fail him. So God said, okay, I'm going to give one appointment to death to deal with it all. After this, the judgment. Now wait a minute, we think about that judgment, we're going to die, we're going to go stand before him. Uh, May I have another look at that, that maybe the whole idea of that judgment isn't you and I standing before the Father, but the judgment now that has come upon sin and upon Satan that you and I have the jurisdiction, we have the right to stand up and say, hey, Jesus has taken care of that. So we become, we have to stand in a righteous place to be able to make a righteous judgment and to know what Jesus did, lest the fact, me and pastor, we're bouncing things off each other and I, I was gonna have him teach some of this and I'm stepping into your territory of what I asked you to do. And, and, and I said, this is what I said. I, I wanna know what you're doing because I don't wanna step on you. Or I don't wanna do it over if you're doing it. Now he's gonna have to find something fresh. Because I'm already in it. (laughs) I'm already into it. But it was appointed unto man once to die. Now keep in mind, the only one that had the appointment to die was Jesus. You and I were never called to die, we're called to live. And sometimes, well, pastor, what does it mean then when the Bible said, I've got to take up my cross and follow him? He's talking about us surrendering our will, our dying to our own flesh, our own emotions, but living under God. Hello? He's not looking for me to die. So Jesus came to die to destroy the works of the evil one. Do you ever think about this? Remember, he came. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to, he openly in the book of Romans, is it Romans or Colossians? He's The Bible said upon the cross, he, he made a public display of the enemy, hanging suspended between heaven and earth. He come to utterly destroy all the work of the enemy. But in the book of Luke and also in the book of Matthew, Jesus said to his disciples, behold, I give unto you authority that you may tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now, I believe it happened the moment he said it, it was theirs. But it may not came, I'll get in trouble with this, it may have not come into fullness until after he died and rose again. And then they were convinced They were convinced that now I have that authority. That's why Jesus said, those that believe, you you know, and baptize shall be born again. And he said, they'll go forth. Those believers that are born again by the blood, by the spirit, he said, they're going to have power to cast out demons and to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. Now there's power. Now I know they went and done some things. Remember, even they said even the devil has, even the demons are subject to us. But they come right away from that and go right into trouble. Now the devil's got a grip on them again. But he come once and for all to break that grip. And he wants us to know that. Made me think today as I was, as I was looking, putting my writing this stuff and putting my notes together for you. And I'm drawing from a number of resources besides the thing that God has put in my own heart. I thought about the Rocky movie. I love those movies. I think it was Rocky number five when he fought the big Russian. You remember that movie? Oh, come on, y'all holier than I am, but. The big Russian is the guy that's been training there, injecting him with steroids. He's got all the latest equipment. And man, he's just pounding away. He's unstoppable. He's already, I think it was the Russian that took out his buddy uh, Apollo Creed and and, and all of that stuff. And, And now he's fighting and it's the big battle that Rocky's trained for in the snow, you know, walking around in snow, waist deep, carrying logs on his back, you know, doing all this stuff. The guy was nuts. But then the battle comes. He gets out, and man, you know how rocky is. He's taking blow after blow after blow, but he's trained to be a fighter. He's trained to be a fighter. That's what he is. He knows he's a fighter. He's already won championships. But now it looks like a bigger one, a greater one has come. And he's he's he really feels like in one sense that he's not able to do it, even though he's trained and prepared for this. So the rounds go. Rocky gets knocked down several different times. He always got knocked down just about every round. But one blow, one blow, he strikes his cheek. And he opens him up and his bleed, And he begins to bleed. Blood's running down the guy's cheek. And his, his, his corner man is saying, Rocky, he's not a machine. He's a man. He's not a machine. He's a man. And I believe that's what God is saying to us. He's not a God. He's just like you. You're greater than he is because of who you are in me. Amen. He's not greater than you are. But we're not always convinced of that. So he became flesh, he became a man so that you and I could be that God-man that he intended for us to be. Romans chapter eight says, listen to this, if that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, Romans 8, 11, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will also quicken your mortal body. You know what I believe God was saying there. I've I, I looked, because we're mortal people. I believe Jesus came out. Not, hang on a minute. I'm going to take you somewhere. He went in a mortal man, or he wouldn't have been able to die. So he said, if that same spirit that raised that mortal body up, but it came up to a new level, a new body. If that same Jesus, if that same spirit raised him up and it dwells in you, what it did in Jesus, it's doing in you. The only difference is you and I don't go to the tomb. We just have faith and believe and receive the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Are y'all with me? Are we okay? Okay. So the first thing is, he said the first reason Jesus became the, Jesus is the God-man is for the fact that he's come to destroy the works of the evil one. Here's the second reason he gives us in these scriptures, to be the propitiation for our sin, to be the propitiation for our sin. The word perpetuation simply means it pertains to God, to godliness. It means to satisfy the justice and the judgment and the wrath of God. So you and I, that's always thinking that God's mad. He's bringing judgment on the earth. You need to hear. He's already dealt with that in Jesus. And he's not looking to do that in you and I. It's already been covered. It's already been taken care of. Jesus came as our, remember last week, we taught about Jesus is the Christ. He is our prophet, our priest, and our king. So now he comes, remember, he comes so that we could hear God, that we could approach God, and that we could live victorious. So now Jesus comes as our faithful high priest, to go into the heavenlies, listen to this, as a man to offer his blood upon that altar. Yes. Now, when he came from heaven to earth, he was spirit, come to earth, and took on flesh. But when he went up, catch this, he didn't leave the earth suit. So in heaven now, on the throne, is Jesus the man and he's on the throne as Jesus the man so that you and I can reign in Christ right here as a man in this life. He didn't leave his earth suit. I was watching this goofy movie last night for a few minutes called Ant-Man. Anybody ever seen that? In order to become the Ant-Man, he had to put on a special suit, push a button, he went from six foot whatever down to the size of, of, a, of a bee, basically. And then he would push the button. He'd grow back up, and he'd take that thing off, and he had no power outside of that suit. I want to tell you, Hollywood is probably a whole lot more prophetic than what most of us, even besides being pathetic, but probably more prophetic in the fact we don't realize what God has given us and how we can operate when we are in Christ. So when he went into the heavenlies, when he went into the heavenlies, he offered his blood for us, not the blood of bulls and goats. Do you ever think about this? Maybe I might get in trouble here. When he come out of the tomb, you remember that on Easter Sunday, Mary and those went to the tomb and they find Jesus. And the first thing that Jesus said is, don't touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my father but he doesn't ascend immediately. Eight days later, we find him appearing to his disciples. And when he appears to his disciples, he just walks through the wall and appears to them. And the disciples, they're messed up. And Peter said, I'm not going to believe except I can touch. You remember that? Am I not right? Correct me if I'm wrong unless I can touch those nail-pierced hands and I can touch that ribbon side. So Jesus walks up to, okay, Pete. Why was it here he couldn't touch him? Because part of that was the purifying. It was part of the work of the priesthood being purified and set so that now when he ascends so on the before pentecost when he ascended at the mount of olivet the scripture says that as he was going up they said the angel spoke and said this same jesus whom you see going shall come again in like manner he's not going to come back and pick up another earth suit He's already in it that's been purified, sanctified, set apart so that you and I now can reign in him. See, we don't talk a lot about, about that, but you and I, need. if we're going to walk in fullness, we're going to have to understand, well, why can I walk? How can I walk? Why can I walk in the fullness of the Lord? Let me give you the third reason. Give you the third reason that he became flesh to bring us to glory. Now I'm gonna show you something. Go to Hebrews chapter two again. Let's look at verse nine. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by him are all things to bring many sons to wear glory, to bring many sons to glory, uh, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering for both he who sanctifies And those who are sanctified are all one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now we're looking for glory and I'm looking at it. Because God said my glory is my sons and daughters. I died so that I could bring many sons. Wait a minute, they're not sons. They were appointed to be sons, but the moment he became flesh, died, notice what it says, he not only, he not only called us, but he sanctified us. For you that were brought up in old, old line, Pentecost, we used to say it like this. I'd hear a lot of testimony. The old saints would stand up and say something. I, I'm so glad that I'm saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, part of what they're saying is, I've separated my life from this world through my actions in living. Well, I want to tell you something. I think we need to do that. But that's not really where my sanctification comes. My sanctification came by what Jesus did at Calvary and through his own flesh for us. And then it went on to say, to make the captain of our salvation perfect through suffering. I hear this all the time. You know, we got to suffer for Christ. Well, Paul said it like this. The righteous will suffer persecution. We need to understand where our suffering is coming from. If you're suffering to trying to gain his approval, you're in works. You're in religion. But if you're suffering because you're taking a stand for Jesus, I believe that's the persecution and some of the stuff today. We really don't know much about that in America as much as some parts of the world that are having to deal because of their their commitment to Jesus. You take a Muslim or a Hindu that comes to Jesus, they're, they're put away from their families. Thrown out into the street. It wouldn't matter how old, how young they are. They're done away with. Some of them are literally killed for taking a stand for their faith. You could say those guys are suffering, but they're suffering for their stand. Not to gain approval of God. They've already been approved for God. And here's another reality. We are perfected in the word perfected. There really talks about coming to maturity. And I believe that maturity is being a full grown son or daughter of God that is so full of him. You don't have to have a crown. You don't have to have a cross on your arm, a cross around your neck or on your car. You live so radical. It's just who you are. And let's put perfection in our work. I believe we are perfected already in him. We just don't know it yet. Because we're still trying to earn everything we do. If I just prayed more. If I just read more. We need to pray. And we need to read. Don't do away with that. Don't do, that ought to be a part of our life just like a duck has to have water. But if I'm doing it to say I'm trying to gain God's approval and and be perfected, even in my study, it's to come to know, God, I want to know more about what you've done for me so that I can walk this thing out because I don't want to live in the place of the unknown. He became flesh to bring us to glory. What do you think about this, being sons and daughters? Remember, Remember, he became the propitiation for our sin. He satisfied that so that we really could be restored and renewed or maybe be, let's say it like this, born again. I want you to think about those words for a moment. Born again. Well, that term born means something is coming forth, right? Right? You've been carrying this baby mom for the last 40 weeks, and and we get the announcement: hey, little Joy was just born. Well, Joy was being developed all the whole time. But now we're getting to see the life of what God started and began to create when He put it into the womb of that mother. So it's talking about something coming forth that really has only to do with humanity with this flat with this realm of mankind but then he says again wait a minute again means it must have already happened right so i'm going to be born again so if i'm going to be born again am i going to come we got people that believe once they die they're going to come back something else None of you, I hope. But there's people in the world that believe they're going to die, they're going to become. That's why the Indians in India will not destroy their cows. That might be Uncle Joey or Aunt Susie. They believe in reincarnation. That's not what he's talking about. I believe this is what he's talking about. When you're born again, I'm bringing you back. I'm restoring you. I'm manifesting in you the life that I always intended for you to live that is totally and fully me. Now, I want you to think about something. Pastor, we'll have coffee. But I want you to think about something. God created man, the first Adam. He wasn't born. He was created by the hand of God. So man was a formed human. God called him man, made him male and female, the human race. God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. I've preached this a million times here. But man wasn't born. Man was first made. He was created. Then from that, only those two, as far as we know, in the Bible, thats I wouldn't debate others, say there was other people. That's neither here nor there. But everybody afterwards was born in to the world, right? So we were a flesh body. God breathed us. So this is what we were. We were a human skin with a God-given spirit. All right? So what happens when we're born again? Wait a minute. When I got saved as a little boy, I don't remember my body as a a little boy. I don't think I changed anything in the form of how I looked. I was still a little chunky monkey with fat cheeks and and all of that. None of that part of me changed. But something on the inside of me changed. Happened all of us that way. So what happened when we're born again? Boy, this is cool. When you're born again, remember Jesus came from heaven to earth. What is he before he came? He's spirit. God is a spirit. So spirit took on flesh to become like us so that we could become like him. So what happened the moment we were born again? You were made a God spirit given a human body to function in. The reality is, you are more spirit than you are flesh. You and I just don't know it. We are more like our heavenly father than what you, how do you know that? The Bible said when he appears, we're going to be just like him. So now I'm a spirit given a body just, why do you think the enemy is looking for a body to possess? The demons are looking for, give me something I can get into. What are they? They're fallen, they're spirits. They're fallen, they're, they're, I guess you could say fallen angels. They're spirits that that are not flesh and blood. And they're looking for a body so that they can have a manifestation. What are they doing? They're trying to mock the new birth experience. Wow. I don't know, I forgot all about it, but Monday night at the theater, no, last night, 13th, whenever that was, Monday night, they had a movie, another Christian film with Greg Locke and many others called Come Out in the Name of Jesus. It was only, I I forgot all about it. What didn't get a lot of advertisement, it was only in 2,000 theaters around the country, and and it was shown, and, and it was simply about demon possession. And people being, you know, and they had a, had a number of ministers. My brother in Paducah went and saw it. I said, "How was it?" He said, "Man, the place was pretty full." And he said, "I couldn't find anything wrong with the film." He said, "They just walked." He said, I, "There wasn't anything in it. I didn't see, didn't recognize, didn't know." And he said, "At the end of that thing, he said, Brother Locke stood up and he prayed a prayer of mass deliverance." And in the theaters all over America, people begin to manifest those demons. Now, how did they get in there? Because that spirit is looking for a vessel. That's all he needs is a vessel to manifest. He, even, when, even the man that was called legion or, or, or the, you know, the man in the tomb of the Gadarenes and the spirit was called legion, and Jesus was giving a command to go, hey, don't drive us out of our region. At least let us go into the form. Let us go into the body of the swine. See, they would rather be in the body of the pigs than to not have a place because they can't work without it. And this is what God said until you recognize that you are a spirit. I'm only giving you, I'm rebirthing you, reforming you, I've recreated you. If any man is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Old things are passed away. Everything becomes new. Now we don't think after the flesh. We think after the spirit. So he came. He came so that we could be the sons and daughters that are functioning just like him. But our problem is God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because we've become more religious than we have godly. Hello? Religion has captivated, I, I promise you. I, I'm not trying to judge anyone. I've got it. You can't be in church all your life and not have a measure of religion. Every one of us have some measure of it. That we constantly have to keep pushing aside and pushing down. That we can be that spirit person that God intended us to be thought about a verse besides driving home. Man, this time just doesn't work good here. Y'all speeding those clocks up back there. You ever hear the verse? I know you have. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, if I remember where that verse is, it's in the book of John. And it's in the same chapter I believe that Jesus is speaking to these Pharisees and he's speaking to all these people and he said, you are of your father the devil and he is nothing but a liar and you're deceived by him. He said, you're of your father. You're acting like him. But then Jesus speaks those words. You shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. So I want to ask you a question for you to think about over the next week. What is he saying? What does it mean to be free? See, we got an idea because of religion, our Pentecostalism, where most of us, I shouldn't say everybody, but us, free is is this one. Man, Pastor, we were free in the Holy Ghost this morning. What did we measure that by? Because people were dancing, people come to the altar, somebody ran around the church, somebody got up and had a message in tongues, somebody, oh, we're free! That's how we've acknowledged freedom. Is that what he was talking about? I don't think so. It might have a part in it but I don't think that was the full measure. I, I'm still trying to decide, God, what were you really saying? I shall know the truth and the truth will make me free. I, I, I really believe just something in my heart. I'm gonna pose this to you. You can think about it. Maybe you'll come up with a better definition, but I believe this is for me. To be all that God designed intended me to be without limitations or exceptions. Believe it or not, a lot of us are godly people, but we live with exceptions. Or we live with limitations. True freedom isn't me doing whatever I want to do. That will get you in trouble quick. But that's what we made it. Religion said this is what freedom is. So we got people, man, that's a free church. Because they got loud because they, they're, they're exuberant in their worship. I'm not trying to change your mind on it. I'm just trying to pose us what God, why he became and what he did for us to make us like him so that everywhere, this isn't just something that happens on a Sunday morning and a Wednesday. This is a life that we live every day of the week, whether I'm here, whether I'm with my family, whether I'm with my friends, whether I'm on the job, the market, wherever I would be. People see Jesus in us. So I got I to gotta land the jet with the, with the last thing that he come to do. Here, here's the other reason he came. Let's look at uh, verse 17. He said, therefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest, in all things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of his people, for in that he himself suffered, has suffered being tempted, he is able to come to aid to those who are tempted. Has anybody in the house ever been tempted? Every one of us have. If you say you're not, you're a liar. We all have been. Let's go to Hebrews chapter four, verse 14. Says this, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace for our time of need. So he came, he came to be tempted in all points so that he could help us in our time of need or to know, make a way for us to know what we ought to do in our time of need. Where do we find it? At we find it at the throne of grace. You know, I've done, I've been, been in church all my life. I really have all my life. I, I, I didn't go to the world. My mom and dad raised us in church. It was in the days they took your baby, put them under a pew, slept under there a lot of times. We were in church all of, all I've ever known is church. And I served church. From the time I was big enough, I was active. Me and my wife both, Diane was the same way. I accepted, finally said yes to the call of ministry at 21. I knew I was called at eight. Every time revival would come to our church or what we would call revival when we felt like God was moving, I'd feel that stirring. I remember standing next to my pastor one night on the platform and said, Pastor Whitstone, I feel like God has called me to preach. He kind of looked at me, wasn't a whole lot beyond that. But I just kept serving, doing what I knew to do, Miss Judy, because I knew that call was upon my life. But at the age of 21, I had no other choice but to surrender and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. But I worked a full-time job. Me and Diane married. We were 18. I was 18. She was 19. Married right out of school. I went and got a job or I had a job. That was the only way I could get married because I promised my father-in-law I wouldn't get, we wouldn't marry till I had a job that could sustain us because I was in my senior year of high school when we were engaged. She was in college. I married a cougar. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, for y'all that don't know where she's at, she's doing a Spanish course that she's wanted to do for years. And she is taking Spanish to be able to talk to to everybody. And it happened to fall on Wednesday night. She was really struggling. I said, just go take the class and get it over with and learn some Spanish so we can make tacos. And uh, (laughs) So I went to work for the power company when I was 18 years old for Jackson purchased Power in, in Paducah, and I spent eight years at that power company, working among everybody. It was one of the best things I ever did, really, for me as a minister. I didn't go to Bible seminary. Some of you can tell that. But I did wind up going to Bible college on my own. And I do have a bachelor's degree in pastoral theology. I do have an honorary doctorate on my wall, just so y'all know. It's <laughs> just there. But the one reason I'm glad I went to work when I said I was on a real job, because I got to see where people were. I got to see how people live. I was so naive, sheltered. My mom and dad, they wouldn't let, even even though me and I were, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend, they wouldn't let me go out every Friday night, even at 16, 17 years of age. They wouldn't let me go out every Friday night. Man, that was rough. But I grew up sheltered. So when I went into the workforce, I heard words I'd never heard before because they weren't in my house. I saw things I'd never seen before. When me and Diane got married, every one of them claimed to be with her. Every one of them. And when she got pregnant with Stacy, every one of them said it was theirs. Oh, I mean it was I mean it was some wicked stuff. Y'all know, y'all are out there every day, people carrying on and all this stuff. And I realized that I'm glad I did that because as a pastor, I can relate you guys. Or on that job, I know what's it said out there. And a lot of times, if you live sheltered, you'll never know what people are facing. So Jesus was the same way. I'm gonna, I am going i got to do this real quick, I got just a few minutes. I want to give you, remember, he came so that he could come to our aid and rescue. And I want to give you three main areas that you need to, these are primary to everybody in this room that he really wants to help you in. And first of all, he came to help us in our relationships. I want you to go to the book of of Mark, chapter 6 and verse 3. Everything that Jesus did had a purpose. The reason he became flesh One of the greatest areas that we need help in is in our relationships, believe it or not, because life is about relationships. What do you think that we put as our value? We are better together because it means something. The book of Mark, chapter six, verse three. I gotta do this quick. Hey, y'all might need to give me five extra minutes, all right? I may take even more, but we're gonna do this as quick as we can. Mark chapter, where did I say? Mark chapter six, verse three. They said this as he come, uh, he said, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother, listen, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Did you ever know that Jesus had that many brothers and sisters? you got to understand something. Isaiah said it like this. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government, am I saying it right? The government shall be upon his shoulder, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So when he came into this earth, he was born of a virgin, a young lady, He was born into this thing, and the first picture of the New Testament is the picture of family, of Jesus and his mother and stepfather. Do you ever think about that? Because the the angel had to appear. God had to talk to him. Don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. Jesus grew up just like us. He pooped. He had a blowout every once in a while. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You that have babies, get them all cleaned up, getting ready to go to church. This happened so many times with our kids. I was always at the church and Diamond's coming. She said, I would have been there on time, but this one had a blowout. That means the diaper couldn't contain. <laughs> Jesus went through the same stuff. He was born of a woman. He grew up a toddler. He grew teeth. He had to learn to talk. He had to learn to walk. He had to be cared for. Mary had to nurture him. Father had to direct him. Our stepfather, Joseph, had to direct him. His whole life was that way. And then he grows up with these, he has these brothers and sisters. And if they're anything like your family and my family, man, sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad. They probably didn't have homes the size of us, so they were all sleeping in the possibly the same room. And this brother rode over on him or he would take all the blanket from Jesus. He dealt with family issues, relational issues, just like you and I. He had sons and daughters. He also understood what it was to be married. Do you ever think about that? Because I'm looking at his bride. The Bible talks about the lamb and his wife. So he knew what it was. He understood that relationship. He understood betrayal, the unfaithfulness. I don't want to say that, but I know it's happened in this room. No doubt that there's people here that your spouse was unfaithful. Jesus understands that because his bride became unfaithful. His chosen didn't honor him properly. He knew all of these things about relationships so that he could come to our aid into our rescue. Matter of fact, uh, he knew what children knew. All of this about children. He doesn't understand raising children. Wait a minute. If he was the oldest, I promise you, he understood raising children, because usually it was the family helping and serving. All of these things. He he under stood he understood do you ever was do you ever see the family member that you think you felt like you're the black sheep of your family why do you feel that way well they just don't understand me you talk about somebody misunderstood Jesus because he couldn't do he didn't act like everybody else At 12 years old, he wasn't playing ball in the neighborhood soccer tournament or the neighborhood football game. Where was he? He was sitting among the scholars. He's learning. He's a bookworm. He's wanting to know. And his family's looking at him. How many times did the Scripture say, Mary, she's looking. Man, the Word said, she pondered these things in her heart even though she knew who he was. So he knows what you're going through, what you're facing, the difficulty of it, so that in our time of need, he knows how to come to our rescue when we, when we have at odds, when we've, been, when we've been betrayed and when we've been lied upon, when we've had all of these things happen. He said, I know so that I could come to your aid so that now you could come. Basically, this is what he said. You come to the throne of grace and find what you need because it's there. I'm going to give you wisdom to go back and live this thing out. Here's the second area because time won't let me belabor this too much. Here's the second area. He understood what it was to work. Boy, you don't think that one's not important, especially on our day? Because work has always been a part of humanity. Adam was first given a garden. He was given seed, and he said, now go fill the earth. He was going to have to work. W-O-R-K. We're not exempt from work. But it's the right work not working to be holy. It's working to provide and to bring forth. Let me say it like this, working to follow the principle of heaven, to bring forth the desire of God that he always intended for me to have. You have to understand he was known as the carpenter's son. So no doubt Jesus had blisters and calluses on his hands. I don't think he called the neighborhood carpenter, hey, y'all need to come fix. No doubt he'd done a lot of father's business because they kept identifying, oh, you're Joseph's son. You're the carpenter's son. And he didn't have a, he didn't have a bag full of battery power tools. He probably had to go chop the wood. He probably had, I don't know what they would use for a saw, but they no doubt had to make something where they could cut things. No doubt work for them wasn't easy. It was difficult in that day. Jesus understood what work was. He understood business. Because basically we're talking about commerce, of what brings forth and produces in our life, which is needed in every one of us. When at twelve years old, remember it's feast time. They've come in for the feast to offer sacrifice. Mom and mom and stepdad leave. Oh, I should have touched that stepdad thing a while ago, and I think I will right here just for a minute. You know, some of you don't know who your parents are. You may have grown up in a stepdad. Jesus, I understand it. I had a stepfather. I knew, I knew he talked to me sometimes a little bit different but he said he was still in my life. He understands that. He understands where you are in everything. Now back to work. Twelve years of age, they go and they leave to go back home. They're a day's journey out. Mary said, hey, is Jesus around? I thought he was with you. No, I thought you said you were getting him. He's not even anywhere in the caravan. Now they got to turn around a day's journey and go back. Now they find Jesus sitting among the scholars and lawyers, and mom's a little bit kicked. I believe she probably walked in that room, grabbed Young man, what are you doing? She probably didn't call him Jesus Christ. My mama, when she would say, Zachary Bruce, you knew it was bad. But I guarantee you, she called him Jesus, grabbed him by that ear, and said, young man, you are coming with me. She's ticked. And Jesus looked and said, hey, don't you know I must be about my father's what? Business. He was not only doing heavenly business, he no doubt was running the carpenter shop business. He understood the work ethic. He understood everything that gets involved in bringing the commerce and the blessing and all of that into our our lives. He understood what it was to be cheated, to work for people that lied, like some of you do have to, that people don't tell you the truth. They won't honor what they said they would do. And that's outside the house and inside the house. But he understood so that when you get disturbed, you can come to the throne of grace because it's a major part of your world. Here's the third and last thing for the evening. He understands our pain. And pain in two areas. Your emotional pain and also your physical pain. Isaiah chapter 53. It says this in verse verse 3 he is despised and rejected by men A man of sorrows. The word sorrow there means pains and acquainted with grief. All of that there dealing with emotions. He's a man despised. He's a man rejected. Man, how many of us in this room feel that? I feel like I'm rejected everywhere. They just don't understand me. People reject me. And we don't even realize how, how emotional those things make us feel. It's really an attack upon our emotions. It says he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows acquainted with grief we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we didn't we we did not esteem him in other words he never seemed in one sense to get the honor that he really should have gotten or deserved everything they did about him he was lied upon he was spat upon I remember, I've as a pastor, I've counseled with couples that have gone through unfaithfulness. And I've heard it a number of times that that person that the unfaithfulness happened to, this is what they said, it was like he or she spat in my face. If I'd come and spit on you or somebody had spit on you, it doesn't hurt you, but it sure attacks your emotions and it sure beats you down because it doesn't, I don't deserve that. They slapped him. They ridiculed him in every which way. These were the people that should have known him. Peter denied him. Can you imagine how it was? Jesus said, all right, so you're going to do it, Peter. And Peter's a following him afar off. they have taken Jesus to the courtroom. He's looking out the window. Peter's down by the fire. And the moment the cock crows, Jesus turns and look, And I believe him and Peter's eyes come like this. Yes. Peter walks away sorrowful. But Jesus knew what it was to be rejected, denied in every area. Lied upon, misused abused. See, some of you lived a life of abuse. I'm sorry that happened to you. I can't imagine why men do that to people. And I'm so sorry that you were abused and misused. But they did that to Jesus. They did that to Jesus so that he could come. Jesus allowed that to happen so that he could come to your rescue. When you come to God, I I don't, I feel like I'm a worm. I didn't deserve that. He deserved none of that. Did you ever think about this? He was tortured by three different groups of men. He was tortured by the Jews or beaten by them. He was beaten by Herod's men and he was beaten by Pilate's men. He literally died. He was tortured to death. It was the most cruel death anybody could ever suffer was the death of a cross. We see these pictures of a little blood and a little bit of flesh. being. I got news for you. I don't think any of that can compare to what Jesus went through. But all of that he understood because of because of the emotions. Even when they put over his cross, the, the 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 saying, behold, the king of the Jews. They weren't giving him honor, they're mocking him. Even when you think, and think about this, the most humiliating thing for any of us would be if somebody would strip you naked and drag you into the street. I was watching an old film the other night, a war film. I just saw a part of it, didn't watch all of it. It's called, I, can't, I can't stand when people are tortured. I, I just can't go there. But it was a movie called the Hanoi Hilton. You know, when the Vietnam, I think it was Vietnamese, and took our soldiers. And there was a group of Americans in this place called the Hanoi Hilton. It's a prison. And they were torturing this man, these men. Cruel, cruel stuff. And they took the leader, whoever, the captain, sergeant, whatever he was, and here they stripped him, and he's having to stand naked before all of these men. It was a point of humiliation. Sometimes when you and I think about the cross, we think about the cross being, you know, it's on this heel, but it's way up there. The reality I've heard that the cross really wasn't that high. It was about eye view so that anybody that would walk by him when Jesus was stripped, even though he had nothing on but a loincloth, it was still, he was considered to be naked, that they were totally shaming him. That's why. He said in the book of Hebrews, I think it is, for the joy that was set before him endured the shame or took the shame and and the suffering thereof for the joy that was set. He was willing to endure that. He knows. He knows what you've gone through, your pain, emotional. But he said, I've made a way that you can come boldly. You don't have to fear that I'm going to reject you that you can go come boldly to the throne of grace. And there, when you come boldly to the throne of grace, you ought to expect that you have healing of whatever you need. You have an answer, whether it be emotional or physical. And I'm done with this last verse. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, and the chastisement of our peace is upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. It's done. He's not taking more stripes. I'm coming to him and receiving that healing. That's why we're pressing in. I want to know what Jesus did. If I'm going to pursue anything, we ought to be pursuing Jesus. Knowing what Jesus has done for us. Jesus is the God-man so that you and I can reign as God men and women with him.